You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. to uh, be together for Father's Day. It's awesome. And uh, have a little bit of Father's Day humor, and then we're going to have you stand up and give you something. Uh, it's not worth great value, but you have great value. Uh, so, uh, you know, have you ever noticed how fathers have kind of a unique uh, sense of humor? Yeah. That it just becomes innate when you're a dad. Like, somehow, I, I used to have like a pretty good sense of humor, but then I became a father, and somehow... It, it turns into father humor. And uh, so, I mean, even when the kids are small, you know, this is uh, father humor right, right here. <laughs> Asked my husband how everything was going, he sent me this. And uh, even, when the, even as the kids age, the father humor develops a little bit better. So, you know, here's, a, here's an older kid interaction. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Do not talk to me. <laughs> You can already tell that's a teenager, right? So I thought in honor of the dads, I would share three dad jokes here, comic strip dad jokes, so bear with me. Uh, first one, he's at an ATM machine. Dad, what are you doing? Just checking my balance. The dads love it. Come on, dads. And here is tap, he's tapping on his kid with a tape measure. Tap, tap. What are you doing? I'm measuring your patience. <laughs> Here's a dad driving with his kids in the back. Oh, look, a flock of cows. The kids are like, herd of cows. <laughs> of course I've heard of cows. There's a whole flock of them over there. <laughs> nice one, dad. So, uh, so in honor of the dads today, what I would ask of all the kids is that you humor us dads and uh, just go along with our humor for one full day. Act like we're really funny. Amen? And um, this is a, uh, th this is a, 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 a taken from social media right here, and I'm hoping that all the kids can make this dad feel as awesome as I would have felt in this moment here. So this is what the kid posted on social media. I've got some kind of allergic reaction going on, and my mom is breaking out in a bad, and my face is breaking out in a bad rash, and my mom is freaking out, wants to take me to the ER, and my dad was like, let's not make any rash decisions, and we all high-five, and now my mom is yelling at us. <laughs> yes! So kids, support your dad in that way today. But let's have all the dads stand up, and uh, we have some chocolate bars for you, and uh, we want to just say we are thankful for you. I think Dale is our newest dad, right? Yay! So, uh, so give extra chocolate to Dale. Dale gets extra chocolate. And uh, we have a lot of different ones to choose from. So, dads, you can kind of work some deals and figure out what kind of candy bar you like. There's several different varieties there. Uh, go ahead and be turning your Bibles over to 1 John, if you would. 1 John. We are closing out our, uh, our series on faithful friendships today that we started right after Easter. And uh, I hope it's ministered to you. I hope, you know, we said at the beginning of the series to pick uh, one or two relationships that you wanted to work on uh, during this series. And uh, 
you know, kind of challenge you to do that. And I hope that you've done that. I hope you thought about it. I hope, you know, that some of the practical things have been helpful. Last week we talked about some, some practical things. Uh, you know, I've heard a little bit of feedback of people who really, really liked this material, like this series. Relationships, you never really, uh, you never really outgrow needing to work on your relationships. And so much of the Bible is about relationships and about friendships. Uh, but two of the, the, or one of the books that we've used that most of the teachings have been based on is called Encouragement by Larry Crabb. I just wanted to kind of give you one more plug for that. And you can get it on Amazon for really cheap. If you're interested in digging in more into these things. And we talked last week a little bit about how to talk about uh, something that is, is negative emotions. How to deal with negative emotions. And we said first you got to go to God. Uh, the, the, the things to not do are to just stuff it down and not deal with it or just give full vent to it. That's number two. Don't do either of those, but to go to God first with it, work on it, and then go to that person, but through the filters of Scripture. And it kind of gave you a little bit of guidelines. Ephesians 4.29 is a great one. Uh, but uh, there's other scriptures we've looked at through the series, Matthew 18 and so on. And, and you could you could really do a deep dive into that stuff. But there's a, a good book I would recommend if you feel like I really do need to have a conversation with my spouse, with my boss, with my dad, with my mom, with my brother, with you know, with an estranged relationship, or even just even just a conversation you know is is challenging. This is a great book. It's called Crucial Conversations. The tagline is Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And uh, it's a really great book. It gives you a framework. Uh, you know, when you deal with things that are emotionally sensitive, it's hard to think rationally sometimes when our emotions get involved. And so journaling helps you to kind of get a handle on things, but something like a framework like this book gives you is super, super helpful. So just to kind of give you an example of what's in there, it talks about dealing with facts, not stories. A lot of times what happens when you have an issue, let's say you and a coworker, there are certain facts, but then you take those facts and you tell yourself a story with those facts. And you make up a whole narrative of what's really going on over there, and you have this big story, and then, and then that's what affects your emotions. And so... And in this book, it talks about put that story away. Just deal with the facts, you know, in the conversation. Here are the facts. And even present them. Here are the facts. I've noticed these facts. You know, deal with facts, not stories. Another thing it talks about is uh, the pool of shared meaning. What that's about is uh, that, uh, you know, you and this other person have a pool of shared meaning. You have something in common that you're trying to achieve. You might not think so, but if you, if you spend enough time, you think, yeah, we, we do want the same thing. We, we both want this company to do well, or we both want this marriage to do well, or we both want to repair this relationship, or we both want, you know, whatever it is. You have a pool of shared meaning, and so that's what you want to appeal to in that conversation. Here's, here is, is what I'm appealing to. Here's what, we want to, what I would like to accomplish. And, and so you have that same objective even though you're kind of at odds over whatever the issue is. That's a real great practical thing. And as always, you know, listen first before speaking. Try to hear the other person. Try to get into their world a little bit before you. And, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, e even if you feel so strongly about whatever you feel about, and they're dead set over here, it, it doesn't, you know, we, we think that by, 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 by giving up my position and going over there and trying to evaluate that worldview, I'm somehow losing ground. First of all, forget the terminology of losing ground or gaining ground or whose fault or whose side or who wins. Or, you know what I mean? Like, if, if there's a conflict, nobody's winning. And, and, if, and if the conflict is resolved in a healthy way, everybody wins. So, so, so put that away and you go look over there and, okay, what's your worldview like? What, is, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? It's really hard to do. It's easy to say. 
It's hard to do, especially when you're angry. So sometimes you can't, ha you can't have a crucial conversation if you're emotional and angry. Uh, it's more like, okay, now I've calmed down, now I've prayed, now I'm spiritual, now I want to go into this, and I know it's going to be tough, tough, but here's the tools that I need, the framework I need to get into that. So anyway, I, re I refer you to that uh, if you want more. And, and we'll, we'll keep talking about this stuff because it's good. I've heard some feedback that it's really helping some people. So uh, the last uh, title in our lesson series, and again, you can catch up with these on the podcast or on... Uh, uh, on our YouTube channel. I know a lot of people travel this time of year and stuff like that, and some of you have not been able to be here for all this. So if you want to catch up, they're all there on the podcast and on our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, the notes for today's lesson are on the app. Uh, the title of the lesson today is No Fear in Love. And where we left off last week was in 1 John 4. If you turn there, if you need a Bible, there's some free Bibles in the back that you can take with you if you're uh, a guest today. Um, or you can pull it up on your phone nowadays. It's really cool. First uh, John 4, we left off here. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We talked about how amazing that is. What a staggering thought that God lives in us and works through us, that we are his ambassadors, that a lot of times the way that God speaks to other people or, or, or interacts in other people's lives is through us. That's humbling. But God uses us to encourage others. God uses us to challenge others. God uses us to comfort others, to affirm others, to support others. So often his grace to others comes through us. And so we, you know, that's, that's a humbling thing. But that's a, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are uh, a, a member of his kingdom, God says, you are a minister, you are a priest, you represent God to others. We are a kingdom of priests. That was what was prophesied about in the Old Testament, that the Messiah would come and establish a kingdom of priests where everyone would be a priest. And so if you're here today uh, and you are a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, you are also a minister of the gospel. And, you know, when I thought about that idea, God's love is made complete in us, in me, or in us as the body, that almost feels sacrilegious. It almost feels wrong to say, wait, something is incomplete about God's love? His love is completed in us? So that doesn't seem right. So I did a little word study, and uh, the Greek word, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, so it wasn't written in English. So anytime you're reading English, you're, you're kind of reading through a filter. Uh, but in, in, in the original Greek, the word here is teleao, teleao, uh, for complete, made complete is teleao. And you might recognize that word if you've done any Greek study. It, it means to mature or to become perfect, or it's an ongoing, it, it refers to an ongoing process of, of completion or maturity or growth. And so it's not that God's, God's love is perfect, but through us, it, it, it becomes part of his complete plan. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's his love is made complete. It's com the, the, the plan that he has for the world is, is accomplished through you and I and our love for each other. Teleaos. So this, it's this ongoing process. His love is shown through us. We reflect him, his message, his thoughts, his word, his spirit is reflected through you and I, which is pretty amazing. And we said from last time, in order for our words to encourage... Uh, other people in the fellowship, these two conditions must be met for words to bring encouragement. Number one, it needs to be prompted by love. So if you have something that you want to get off your chest to someone, you got to get your heart right first to go, okay, is this, do I love this person? Is it prompted by love for this person, for the relationship, 
for their walk with God. It doesn't mean everything is okay all the time, but, but you've got to have love, start with love in your heart. And then number two, directed toward fear. Because we've said in this series that what happens is we all end up with layers, and, and we can easily form a surface community where everyone is just interacting with layers and nobody's really getting to the core. And often what happens in a fallen world is we have fear in our core, just like Adam did. I was afraid, and so I hid. And so we hide in different ways, and we all have different mechanisms for hiding and not really being real. And so, so real encouragement, you're trying to get to that center. I want to try to minister to them in that core. So someone might come across as super prideful and arrogant, and, and you go, well, I want to show him how he's really not all that. He thinks he's all that. He's not. He's not this. He's not that. He's, he messed up here. He messed up there. I'm going to show him how he shouldn't be prideful. But what's really going on often with a guy like that is inside he feels like a loser. Inside he feels like he's failed so much. Nobody would accept him if they really knew him. And so he puts up all this uh, pride, but really inside he's just, you know what I mean? So if you're attacking that outside, what are you doing? You're just making his layers thicker. Whereas if you try to reach that inner core, tell me what you're really feeling. Tell me, you know, or point him to God. Try to, try to approach God together. You're just trying to get to that, that core. So, for example, here's some uh, diagrams from the book. If, if you are coming from a place of fear, your layer, and you're interacting with his layer, I'm afraid of this guy. I'm going to show him how prideful he is. You know, you're just layer upon layer. There's no encouragement there. Here there's limited encouragement in, in that you're kind of going through the motions, but you're still saying the right things. You know, you're using the Bible. Uh, you know, this is maybe, you know, you've been, a lot of us are older Christians. You know what to say, you know, which verses to look at. Your heart's not really engaged, but you're, you're at least saying the right things to their heart. Well, that's some limited encouragement. But true encouragement is from a core of love speaking to fear, speaking to so keep that in mind as we, as we begin to read here where we left off in 1 John. Uh, we we, we want to be a, a community of love that is continually driving out fear from each other's hearts. That's where we want to be. So keep that in mind as we pray and read this scripture. Let's, uh, let's pray and uh, be reading in 1 John. God, thank you for uh, the opportunity to get to look into your word right now. Thank you for how applicable it is to our lives even 2,000 years later. Uh, thank you for this community that's gathered here today and uh, the opportunity to worship in such a beautiful place. Um, thank you for uh, just every person here and the way they reflect your glory, the way we can learn more about you from each other. Um, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us through your word right now as we open the word. And God, thank you that you are a perfect father, uh, that you are a loving father watching over each of us, and that you have almighty power, but you have a tender touch, and you love us as a father loves his children. And I know different people here have different, you know, Father's Day means different things to different people, and some here might be hurting because they lost their father recently. Uh, others might be estranged from their father or have a troubled relationship with their father. I know that's uh, very common in our fallen world, uh, but God, help us all to recognize that you are not just a version of our father. You are the perfect father, the perfect version of any father. And uh, God, help us to worship you for who you are and help us to, to, to be able to reflect you to each other. I pray that you would help us each to take a step towards that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 is where we left off. Um, I have a few of the verses on the screen, but not all of it. It wouldn't all fit. But it says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I want to read that part again. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. How often we try to rely on other things. And yet we know God's love and we rely on that love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us. There that is again, right? So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So he's talking here about two loves here, right? What are they? He's talking about God's love and one another love, love for our brother and sister. So we're going to talk about those two things and how both of those loves can help drive out fear. And absolutely one affects the other. You know, we love because he first loved us, John said. So we'll start with God's love first, and then we'll talk about one another love. So speaking of God's love, you know, he says uh, there is no fear in love, and uh, perfect love drives out fear. And, uh, you know, that's, again, this, this idea of teleaos. So I want to show you this Greek uh, scripture here or the Greek version. Now, I don't read Greek. I've learned to kind of understand what different Greek words mean and stuff, but, uh, but this is a great tool that any of you guys can use. Uh, it's super handy. It's called blueletterbible.org. And you can just put in a, a text and then click on that text and it expands and it shows you something like this. So it gives you each Greek word and then what the, the English translation of that Greek word is. So it's kind of cool because you feel like, okay, I'm getting back to what the Apostle John wrote down. And uh, you can see there is no fear in phobos. We know phob phobia, right? Phobos in love, agape. And we know from the Bible there's different loves. Agape love is that self-sacrificial love, that godly love. But perfect teleaos love, agape, casts out phobos. Phobos echoes, uh, I don't know how to say it, but that's punishment. The one who fears phobia is not perfected, teleaos. So you see there's a lot about this perfected thing. There's a lot about love and, and, and fear. So fear is related to this idea of, remember we said teleaos refers to maturity or completion. Or here it's, called, it's translated perfection. But it doesn't mean perfection as if like you never mess up, right? Perfection is a maturity. It's an ongoing process. It's getting better and better. It's getting more and more like God. The church becoming more and more what God wants the church to be. And so perfect love drives out fear. Teleaos love drives out phobos, drives out fear. And that's important because if you read the Bible, fear is not necessarily a bad thing. In, in case there's sometimes where you should have fear. 
If you are living in opposition to God's plan, you should have fear. And I'm not here today to say, if you, if you today are, are going, I know God says this, but I'm going to do this. You should fear. You don't want to go against the creator of the universe. And there's plenty of churches that'll just say, everything's okay, it doesn't matter. You, know, you cannot earn grace, absolutely. But you also can't just live in direct opposition to God and kind of shake your fist and go, oh, but it'll all be all right. No, God, it's all about how you approach God. Do you approach God going, God, I, I surrender, I'm a mess, I need you? Or you approach God going, I'm going to do it my way. And if, you, if, you, if you're stiff-necked, the Bible calls. I, I like that term because it's like, no. <laughs> stiff-necked, no, God. Then you should be afraid. And the Bible says fear is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom, Proverbs 9, 10. In Ecclesiastes, this guy, this is a great story. I love the book of Ecclesiastes when I was a teen, teenagers, because teens are trying things out. You know, they're like trying everything out. Do I like this? Do I want that? You know, it's like Ariana Grande. I want it. I got it. I want it. I got it. You know, <laughs> you're trying everything. Hey, I need some props that I know Ariana Grande. Uh, so, so that's what Solomon is doing. He's trying whatever he wants, and it does not satisfy him. And the end of all of it, he goes, here's what is the end of everything. I figured it all out. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the beginning of wisdom. So it does start with fearing God. That's our kind of ground floor. But perfect love, mature love, it doesn't stay at fear. Right? You grow in maturity. You, you, you build a relationship with God. You're not operating out of fear anymore. You're not, just, you're not just doing God's will because you don't want to go to hell. It's I'm doing God's will because I love God. God's amazing. God is awesome. Jesus is a man. I want to be like him. I want to emulate him. And you have a, a security of grace. It's not about what you do, but you're operating out of love. So perfect love, it's not, you're not operating out of fear anymore. Does that make sense? All the parents understand this. You know, when your kid is little... You deal with them on an on a ordered relationship, and you're operating out of fear sometimes. You want your little toddler to fear you in a healthy way. When you say, stop, they need to stop. Otherwise, they might get run over by a car. When you say, don't touch that, they've got to, oh, okay, Dad, you know, because they might burn their hand, on, you know. So that's, the, that's where you, but you don't stay there. You know, it's, it's not going to go well if I tell Cora, stop. <laughs> don't touch that. You know what I mean? We're, it's a very different relationship. And, and should she still fear me? Yeah, but I don't, that's not, I don't want that to define our relationship, right? It, it changes, it matures, it teleaos, it grows. And so, uh, but, it, but it starts with this, with, this, uh, with this fear of God. But then, but, but, but he, uh, let me show you a verse. I love this verse, how this puts it. Uh, Romans 8, 15. You can turn there if you'd like, or I'll put it on the screen. It says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. The uh, older translation used to say, does not make you a slave again to fear. You're no longer a slave to fear, as the song uh, goes, as we'll sing later. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, Abba, Father. You know, Abba is, is one of the earliest childhood sounds, you know, that, that uh, every culture has a, a, a word for daddy 
that is like that. You know, dada. Here it's abba. But every culture has the same kind of word for daddy or mommy that's ah, da, 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 da. You know, that's, that's daddy or abba, ba, 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 ba. That's, you know, it's this early, early sound that a little baby makes for, for their dad. And so when he says, by him we cry, Abba, Father, it means we have this childlike trust in God. We have this childlike, uh, you know, no, we have this childlike knowledge that he's going to take care of things. So in that way, perfect love drives out fear of other things. You know, the little, the little baby, the little child might fear their parent in, in, the, in a healthy way, but they don't fear anything else. They're not worried about the, the gas being turned off. You know, they're not worried about uh, you know, what's going on with the, the election coming up or, you know, uh, they're not worried about these different crises in the world. They've, they're just right there with their parents. And they, perfect love drives out fear. They, they are, are, are completely content. That's the way the Bible describes we should be with God. And, and this has this is ministered to me, this idea of perfect love driving out fear in my relationship with God. Because, you know, every new season of life brings along new challenges, new things to be afraid of, new things to worry about, new things to be stressed about. And Des and I have been in, you know, in a transition for a while. Our kids are, are transitioning into their older teen years, and, you know, our oldest is 20 now, and, you know, they're figuring out what they're going to do with life. And so there, there, there's things that, that parenting older kids brings about. You know, the kids start driving. There's some fears there, right? Driving on their own. What's going to happen? Uh, jobs, relationships, thinking about moving out. Uh, are they choosing God? Are they not choosing God? Are they, uh, you know, what are they going to do for college? What are they going to do for career? They're finding themselves, but as parents, there's a lot of fear in that because you've got to let go, but you're afraid, you know? And, and so anybody who has kids who've already been through that or you're in the middle of that, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of fears with that. At the same time with middle age, our, our parents are aging. You know, a lot of us have lost our parents already. And, or our parents are sick, or there's issues. And so you're kind of stuck in the middle where your kids, you know, there's fears there, and your parents, there's fears there. And, and maybe your own kind of career trajectory changes a lot of times in this stage. I just started a different job, and I'm not as good at it as I was my old job. And, you know, but I can't really do my old job anymore. So I'm kind of like, oh, I'm doing a job I'm not that good at, but, but yeah, here's where, what it is. You know, so it's just like there's a lot of emotions with that. You know, there's a lot of fears with that kind of stuff that we go through. And I want to ask you, what do you fear today? And I would like to ask you to write down in your memo of your phone or on your journal if you're taking notes, I fear dot, 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 and then just write a few things down. And just take a minute to do that. You don't have to show it to anybody. You can if you want. But just what does the Spirit put on your heart right now? What do you fear? Could be stuff with your kids, as I mentioned. Could be stuff with your job. Could be stuff with your health. Could be stuff with your finances. Uh, could be stuff with just uh, life. You know, feel, feel, I fear missing out. I fear rejection. You know, I fear suffering. I don't want to suffer. I feel, fear hardship. I feel God's going to want too much from me. I fear failure. I fear loneliness. Fear, insignificance. But I'd love each person to write something down. Even the teenagers, write something down. What do you fear? And what I'd like you to do this week is bring that to God. And there's a great story in the Old Testament. You can uh, jot it down here. It's uh, in Hezekiah, where Hezekiah brings whatever, he brings this thing that he fears to God. And, and uh, 
Hezekiah um, was a king in the Old Testament, and, and, and this, this uh, emperor, the ruler of the most powerful nation ever to have existed on the earth, the kingdom of Assyria, was coming for him, gunning for him. And he sends this letter saying, I've wiped out this country, I've wiped out this country, I've wiped out this country. You think God is going to, you know, Yahweh, your God is going to save you? Where was the God of this country? Where's the God of that country? Where's the God of this country? I'm coming for you, and you're, I'm going to wipe you out. And the Assyrians weren't known for being just horribly brutal. They were the most horrible regime in, in human history up to that point. I mean, I won't even tell you about what stuff they would do to people because it's graphic and, and gross, but you could research it if you want, uh, if you like that, you know, violence, violence stuff. But uh, so, so you can imagine Hezekiah's fear. This enormous empire is coming for him in his little kingdom of Israel. But this letter that Sennacherib writes him, I love the, the passage, and sometime we'll dig into this passage more thoroughly, but in 2 Kings 19, it's in two places in the Bible, 2 Kings 19 and Isaiah 37. But he, he brings that letter that Sennacherib wrote him, and he goes to the temple, and it, the Bible says he spread the letter out before the Lord, and then he prayed. So he just put this letter, spread it out there at the altar of God, and praise to God. And it's one of the most awesome prayers recorded in Scripture, Hezekiah's prayer. But I want to encourage you to, to do that this week. Pick a day, either today or someday this week, to take what you just wrote down about your fear and, and just present that to God. Say, God, here's what I'm afraid of, and I'm presenting it to you. I'm casting it on you. I want you to, you know, I want you to deal with this, God. I'm giving it over to you. The Bible says, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And what this passage in Romans tells me is God stoops down to our level. You know, the, there's a lot of great dads in this room. And I love when dads, dads are so good at stooping down to the level of their kid. I mean, I remember when, when Jameson started getting into Star Wars stuff. It's like, good, I get to be in, into Star Wars again. He started getting all these action figures. Cool, I get to play with action figures again. You know, Marshall was into building things with these little... Roblox or you know these little things that he would create these little things. Oh, cool! I get to make stuff again. You know, I would play, get down on my hands and knees and play with him with all that stuff. You know, dads are like that, and that's what our heavenly Father is like. He stoops down into our world. He created the whole universe, but he wants to be involved in the challenges that you face. He wants to stoop down and have a conversation on your level. I want to show you a video right now of a dad who is stooping down and having a conversation with a little, little kid on the little kid's level. This video is really cute. Betty sent this to me. Okay. They need to work on that, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Did you understand it, though? Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Not, not this one. This is the grand finale of this. Okay, Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that again. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Like, go somewhere else with that, but don't break it here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. And then he was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do it here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
the same thing. <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? Bye bye bye. Oh, that's crazy. Right. <laughs> so cute. That's how God is with us. God, God enters our world. He cares about the things we care about. And if you really get that understanding of God and, and you, you take things to God, it helps you to become more aware of what he's doing in the world. Because when you're controlled by fear, everything that is beautiful, everything that is wonderful about the world, you kind of miss it because you're so distracted, you're so consumed with the fear that you have. And you miss out on all these amazing things that God is doing. Uh, you know, we, we lose sight of what is good and what is beautiful in the world. And, and uh, one more practical uh, uh, thing I want to ask you to do this week is to take a day, and today would be a great day to do this on Father's Day, but just write down in your journal or write down, uh, I have a prayer journal where I'll write stuff down or, or on your phone or whatever, but just make a list of things that you love about your life right now, things that you're thankful for in your life right now. And this exercise is so helpful. I would encourage you to do it every week or every few days and you know because it just changes your view of things it helps you to see wait there are good things going on especially when you're in a time of crisis or, or you're, you really do have a lot of fears that are that are kind of controlling you write a list of things that you really love about your life right now that, that God has given you that are from God the Bible says every good and perfect thing comes from the Father God does fill our lives with all kinds of good things um, and, and somebody who has that we all know somebody who has that perspective they're just joyful all the time they're always grateful. They're always, you know, uh, pointing to God and what God is doing. And one person that comes to mind for me is Eddie Blandin. Uh, he, and, and his joy is just contagious. Everybody wants to be around Eddie because he's just having fun all the time, playing games and doing different things. And if you, if you hadn't heard, Eddie lost his house one week ago today. Um, there was this huge storm in, in, uh, in Texas and his wife and had already his wife and Kylie Anderson had already gone off to church early to do Kids Kingdom, and so Eddie and the baby, or he's three years old now, but uh, they were getting ready to go to church, and the storm comes through, and they live a long way from church, They're like a half an hour, forty-five minutes away, and um, they're kind of a long way from the disciples, and so he was going to get gas, and he said like the door of the gas place flew open, and then like all the the the, the gas hoses flew out and were like dangling in the wind. It was just like this crazy scene from the Wizard of Oz, you know? So Eddie's like, I'm not coming to church. I gotta get, you know, we're not gonna drive in this storm. You know, it's like tornadoes coming. So he goes home and he and his son pull up to the house and then this huge lightning strikes right there at his house. He said it was the loudest uh, sound he'd ever heard. And uh, he thought it hit the trees in the back of the house, but it actually hit the roof. And so he goes in, in the house, him and Elias, his son, and, and uh, he, he starts smelling smoke. And he's looking around, he can't see any smoke. He goes out in the backyard and he can see the roof is burning of his house. So he calls 911 and uh, just gets out of the house quick because it, it, it happened quick. The whole roof caved in and uh, lost everything in the house, lost you know, all their possessions. Um, but it was amazing to talk to him this week, his perspective. He was like so conscious of God and all of it and trusting in God with all of it, he said, Brian, it's amazing what, what God did. Like, first of all, me and Kylie and um, uh, Joanna, all three of them just got matching lightning tattoos. <laughs> Elias did too? No, before. Oh, before, yeah. So they each had gotten, uh, I, I think you said four. I was like, four tattoos? Elias got a tattoo? 
So the three of them had gotten these lightning tattoos and, and the scripture from Job where it says God, you know, brings the thunderstorm and the lightning. They're like, we love this scripture. This is so cool. <laughs> Just like a week or two before. And, uh, and so, you know, God is, God is, this is, this is God, you know, and, and he had been trying to sell his house because he wants to live closer to the disciples and closer to the church and not able to sell his house. Like, and the realtor's like, I don't understand why this house isn't selling. And so Eddie's like, God took care of that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and they were worried about having to move and all their stuff and what are we going to do with all this stuff and just feeling like they need to declutter, feeling like they need to get rid of stuff. And it's like, God took care of that. We don't have anything now, you know? It's just like, wow, what a perspective this guy has, you know? Uh, but, but I 